join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah. Albert Shivers. The matrix doesn't happen. That's very true. Come along quietly or not. The general concept is that creativity flourishes in a in an atmosphere of freedom. Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Planet Shivers Podcast. I am Albert Shivers. And the first thing I want to say on this episode is I want to welcome and thank all the new listeners and subscribers. Uh, In case you don't know, the last episode was my interview with documentarian Adi Bo, who creates macabre, spooky documentaries for YouTube and Patreon. I had him on the show last weekend to start some Halloween-themed episodes and he went on to share the episode on all of his platforms and a lot of people came over to see Planet Shivers and to support and to listen and subscribe. So I want to thank all of you for coming on, coming over here and checking out the show and a very big thank you to Audie Bo of Obsolete Oddities for sharing the page, you know, it was It's a very simple gesture, but it really meant a ton to me. I've been working on this podcast since May of 2019. It's just been a hodgepodge, grassroots, guerrilla-type project. Um, I don't have any sponsors, anything like that. It's nothing fancy, but I put a lot of work into it, and a lot of friends of mine, mainly Isaac Wilson, has jumped on and has been a big help to me. I've had a ton of amazing guests, so if you're new, I hope you go back and explore and find some episodes that you enjoy, and I hope you enjoy this one. Uh, This episode is going to be part of a series of paranormal conversation episodes that I have. I figured put the first one out here in October, right on Halloween, and then I'll be putting more out as I go and as I edit. Um, The first batch of these conversations comes from a large recording. Um, It was over a friend's house where a going away party was happening. And we picked a separate room and decided to get whoever wanted to jump in to tell some paranormal or unexplainable stories. One of my favorite memories of growing up is having a house full of people for holidays or birthday parties, whatever it might be. And one of the things I wanted to recreate in this podcast, a bit of an artistic choice, I guess, is to have some episodes make you, the listener, feel like you're in the house full of people or you're sitting at the table with us. Sometimes I shy away from perfect settings to achieve this. So for this episode, as an example, you'll hear tea kettles boiling in the background, lighters flicking, things pouring, glasses moving, silverware, um, because a going away party is happening a room and a hallway away. So it makes you feel like you're there with us. I hope you feel that way and enjoy the episode. We'll be hearing from a very, very popular guest, 
on the show, Don Wilson, who's a visual artist. He's going to tell a couple of stories. His partner, Mary, tells a very interesting story about when she was about four years old and what happened to her that was a bit supernatural and a little paranormal. And also my co-host and sort of organizer of this get-together to do this podcast, my buddy Sean, he has an interesting story about being a young kid and seeing things in the woods when he would go out to play. So again, I hope you enjoy these episodes. And I have to say again, thank you to all the new listeners and a very big thank you to Adi Bo for sharing the show and, and letting people know what we're doing here. Uh, it really, really does mean a lot. If you're interested in what else I'm up to, you can check out my visual art on Instagram at Albert Shivers or on my website at www.albertshivers.com. If you'd like to support the show in any way, I'm working on putting together a Patreon page. It's there, but right now it's kind of a ghost town, but it is there on Patreon under Albert Shivers. And you could also check out my Etsy page for art prints at shivers artery on etsy thank you for listening and let's get to the stories after these messages this is wevd in new york reincarnation what human being was your pet in a previous lifetime master reincarnationist e david scott will tell you when you call this number just answer simple questions with your touch tone phone a dollar 95 per minute for entertainment only under 18 get permission call now learn who your pet was as a human in a previous lifetime Elvira here, mistress of the dark and sometimes surfer babe. And the party's at the beach, Malibu Beach, where you can hang ten. Look, Frankie and Annette. Happy Halloween, dudes. Crawl under your couch, lower your blinds, lock your doors. Um, I actually definitely believe that there are alternate realities that coexist with what we're living as of right now or in our physical plane and that sometimes um, people do tap into those but um, in different ways and there is also something um, that sort of is that state between sleep and wakefulness which is I think it's sometimes called a hypnagogic state yep. and um, but this was very different and it seems kind of odd because I was so young when I experienced this, but it always stayed with me. So it was one of my earliest memories when I lived in Cliffside Park in New Jersey. And um, I was very, very young. I was probably about four. And, um, but I don't even know that for sure. But I, um, you know, we had all gone to sleep and, you know, my parents were sleeping in a separate room at the time. And they were in bed and I don't know where my sister was it was just me and my sister it was before my younger sister was born and um, I woke up before everybody else and I wanted to get up but as I got up I realized I was engulfed in a type of protoplasm of lights and so everything was present as you see it but I was totally engulfed matrix or something of lights and it was like thousands and thousands of lights all surrounding me and surrounding everything 
So all the space was the same. So I got up, I left my room, and I thought, well, maybe when I leave my room, the lights will go away. But they didn't go away, and they were still there. And I walked into the room where my parents were, and I thought, well, this must be that I'm no longer part of this life. And I know that sounds really strange, but I really had that image as a four-year-old or whatever I was. And I thought, oh my goodness, my parents are still there, but they're also engulfed in these lights, which are covering everything. So I'm walking through this film of lights and I see them, they're in bed sleeping and they're totally immersed and coated with this film of lights. And I was like, well, what do I do now? I guess this is not gonna go away and maybe something is gonna happen or maybe not. Maybe this is just where I am. And so I just walked around for a while and, or I just sat or stayed in the place in the room where my parents were. And then I decided to just return to my bed because nothing seemed to be changing. And to be really honest, I don't remember what happened next specifically because as the years have gone by, it was an experience that I always remembered that was always inside of me. But um, sometimes what happens is as time goes by, more, more of the details of something are forgotten. So I don't know exactly where the transition came where I went from being surrounded and engulfed in lights to suddenly everything was as it was before this happened with the experience of the lights and my parents got up and everything went back to normal and I was like whoa you know I'm glad I'm back to this normal place because that's what I know the best and I wasn't quite sure how to interact or do anything because when I was in that state of being surrounded by lights and everything being, it was like flickering lights, but it was like, like I said, thousands and thousands of little lights. And I didn't know how to get my parents' attention or how to talk to anybody. So I was definitely in this unusual state. I returned to my room and it all changed and it went back to the way it was. It, and I felt cool. as though I was in somehow in a different plane within the same context of where I was living and everything, but everything was engulfed in not just one bright light, but like, like, like I said, thousands of little flicks of light, like walking through a protoplasm type thing. And the reason why it stuck out so um, dramatically for me is because I never had that such an experience again and I had many, many dreams and occasions, occasions when I felt like I was in a hypnagogic place subsequent to that, but it was never as intense. Um, like I would come out of the hypnagogic state and realize, oh, here I am, and you know, this was just something going on in my brain. But this was like real in a sense of something I had never experienced before, but of course, I was four, and when you're that age, you're kind of closer to um, the crack between different realities, I think. So I don't know how else to explain it. Well, I enjoyed that story from Mary, and it does make one think, and I ask you, the listener, do you think that children may be closer to the veil between 
one plane or the other. It's, it's something interesting to think about. And we hear a lot about young children having strange experiences or even strange memories at times. So that's something to think about after listening to Mary's story. The next story we're going to hear is from Don Wilson as he talks about a hitchhiking journey he was on in the early 1960s and what he may have seen in the wilderness while camping. Just before we get to that though, I want to announce last week's winner of the Secret Word Prize. It is Jennifer from a listener all the way up in Massachusetts, which is really cool. Uh, Congratulations to you, Jennifer. Your package will be in the mail, and hopefully it won't be DOA. Give it a little shake or two when you get it, you know, just to make sure. Thanks so much for listening, Jennifer, and thanks to everybody who submitted the correct timestamp of Macabre from last week's episode with Adi Bo. I'm going to make things slightly easier on everybody on this episode, just because I'm feeling full of the Halloween spirit. The secret word will come from the next two stories, one of the next two stories, and the secret word for this episode is buckskin. Give the correct timestamp in the comments below on the YouTube version of this, and if you are the first one to comment the correct timestamp, you will get the Planet Shivers prize. So keep your ears open and enjoy this next story with Don Wilson. You want to kick it off, Pop? Well, in retrospect, it has to do with sometimes we find things that we don't know exist, or we want to find them, but we can't find them. And oftentimes we find them when we're not looking. It's that kind of an experience. So I was living in Southern California. It was 1968, and I was contemplating about going to live in Canada. I hit it was very easy to hitchhike, relatively easy to hitchhike at that time up the coast. The problem with hitchhiking is if you're going to Vancouver, let's say, from Southern California, you're not going to get a ride going all the way there, obviously. It might take 20 rides, it might take 10. So you might go 10 miles with the ride and get out, and you might go 300 miles. So, uh, so it just leads up to this experience I had with something I had never even thought about. I was in Oregon around Coos Bay, I think, and it was the road closest to the ocean. And the person had a farm down to the left. He said, well, it was getting dark. And he said, well, it's as far, I'm go- as, far as I'm going. So he stopped, I got out, I thanked him. I, uh, and he turned down, went down to his house and his family. So it was dusk, it was getting pretty dark. I just had a backpack and I had a sleeping bag. And uh, I walked along the road for a while. It's a pretty heavy forest on the right, uh, mostly evergreens and one. I came to this old logging road. It was an overgrown dirt road leading up to the right, kind of up the hill a little bit. Now, of course, this would not have happened if I was near a motel. I might have, you know, gotten a room in a cheap motel or something, but I didn't because there weren't any around. So I walked up the road and uh, I came to a clearing with some stones or boulders around. And there was, I remember there was one huge tree about 100 feet away further up the hill. And so I said, hey, it's as good as any place. And it was a very, um, the sun, the moon had not risen yet. And the sky was very, uh, 
sharp, very crisp, and you could see you know, millions of stars. There was no interference from light, you know, like uh, cities, towns, whatever. And um, so I got into my sleeping bag. I actually, before I did that, I walked around the perimeter of where I was just to see what the terrain was like. And I remember I went up behind this large tree and um, there was a dry uh, stream bed, like a small river, large stream. And there was an embankment about five feet high. And uh, I could see that it was, there was no water running. It was rounded rocks all the way down. So I came back, I didn't have a flashlight, of course. Should have had one with me. Um, so I got into my sleeping bag and I was really, I was tired for whatever reason. And I was just, I remember just laying on my back, relaxing, looking up at the, the tree silhouettes and all the stars in between them. And uh, I was just being, I felt really peaceful and really thankful that I had gotten that far. It's about probably two thirds of the way from LA to Vancouver. And it was the period between wake consciousness and falling asleep. So I almost was asleep and I heard this loud crack, just like somebody taking a branch, a dead branch and breaking it, or a live branch. And my head was facing toward this large tree. So I knew it came from over in that area. So as always, you like, you ignore it uh, or you get up and investigate it. So I decided to get up and, and investigate what made the noise. And uh, I got over fairly close to the tree. I was what we would call fox walking, carefully avoiding sticks that I might step on myself. And the moon, by the way, was had been rising. Of course, it was a full moon that night. and. Uh, I got over to the tree and I saw nothing along the way and I figured it must have come from something down in the stream bed. So I went around the right side of the tree and peered down the stream bed and the stream obviously was heading downhill from where I was looking. So if you ever are lost in the woods, the old adage is if you come across a stream bed or an old road, follow it downhill because Streams, rivers eventually go to the ocean or a road. I look around the tree and I look down and I see this uh, silhouette of a creature, uh, a, a humanoid, apparently, walking upright. Um, if you've ever been alongside of uh, professional football players who are like tackles, linemen, it's a physique kind of like that, a very large creature. Almost seems like no neck, I remember. And I had no um, understanding of uh, what Bigfoot was. I had never heard of it. I thought right away, based on my experience, this is somebody lost. Maybe they have amnesia. Maybe it's somebody who's drunk or dehydrated. And they're, or maybe they know what they're doing. They're walking down the stream bed to do what I just said, get down to a road. Because this is, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, maybe. Uh, and the moon played a key role. It maybe saved me, maybe not. I don't know. I'll never know that. It's one of those things. So thinking what I just said, that it was a guy, apparently, lost, whatever, 
I was ready to go, hey, hey, what's going on? What are you doing out here? You know, that kind of thing. It's a little naive, you know. And just as I was going to yell that out, because now it was 60, 50, 60 feet away, it was moving slowly. I thought he was drunk because it was kind of sauntering from left to right as it moved. Just as I was ready to yell out, he passed past where the full moon was coming down in the stream bed behind it. And I looked again really closely, and my vision was really good at that time. And this creature, this whatever it was, it had short hair on its head, but then all the way down its entire back, if I had any hair on the back of my neck, it stood up because nothing computed in about two seconds. You know, it wasn't a gorilla, it wasn't a guy in a gorilla costume, you know, it wasn't a drunk. And uh, I, I just, I didn't say anything. And I just watched it move away. So what I did, went around, it was out of sight, I went around and sat on the other side, the moonlit side of the tree. And I just looked where it had disappeared from view around the bend. And I stayed there all night, I just stayed awake and waited for the sun to come up. And I was thinking, okay, because I grew up by the river and I was used to all kinds of the tracks. You could tell people by their boots or their barefoot or if it was a raccoon or a deer or a bear or whatever. So I thought, okay, whatever the heck this was, I'll go down the stream bed. So I went down immediately as soon as there was enough light. And uh, unfortunately, it was all rounded pebbles or stones, large stones. So that stream had been there a long time for all these rocks to be worn in that shape. Like the Delaware River is 500 million years old. That's why you can walk out in it and you can find perfectly symmetrical rocks that have been carved over millions of years. So I walked the ways and I was looking, looking for anything and nothing. And uh, I just let it go. I went back and uh, rolled up my sleeping bag. I didn't have a camera with me either. And when I first saw this being, whatever it was, I wouldn't have had time to go back and get the camera and go back over. I like Albert and the others are okay. When I was, I was probably about three or four and we were living in Massachusetts and uh, this would be like 73 or 74. Right. And uh, it's north of Princeton, up in the woods and a little west and on the west side of Wachusett Mountain in the woods there. And uh, I was a really curious little kid, and I would escape. I would, it was kind of like every dog I've had. I'm just constantly trying to escape to get out of trouble. We lived on a dirt road, and it was miles to the next house in any direction. Um, and I, I would get bored around 9 or 10 in the morning, whenever, I don't know, sometime in the morning. And I'd sneak out, and I'd, or I'd be in the backyard playing, and then I'd just wander into the woods. And these woods went on for miles and miles. I don't know if that was a state park it or was a national a, it park. It was an Audubon Wildlife Preserve. So, so we're in the middle of an Audubon Wildlife Preserve, and I'd wander into the woods. And sometimes I'd be out there for... I, I remember you, you coming and finding me the first time I got lost. I was probably three or so. I managed, I was probably gone for an hour or so before you guys found me. I, I know that must have been like a panic for you guys, but uh, I remember just not knowing where the hell I was and 
wanting to go home and eventually I just kind of gave up and I'm screaming and crying and then I'm just sitting there and then I heard you yelling and I started yelling back and, and it wasn't long after that you showed me about finding you know north and south by looking at which side of the tree the moss is growing on or the lichens or you know being able to tell how to get back depending on which way you went but this all goes into I spent a lot of time wandering around out in the woods by myself in the yard and uh, one morning I, I guess mom was asleep and you were probably at work and there was a big like cobble fireplace in there like bigger than you would you know think you would need but I guess it does get cold and uh, I remember there was a clean out or an access door that you could open up and uh, I'm just sitting there I think I was playing with like a little train set or something and all of a sudden the door swings open and a little dude comes out climbs down the chimney and walks over and stands in front of me and just starts looking at me and I was I was sitting on my haunches so whatever a four-year-old kid would be sitting on his haunches I was eye level with this little guy and yeah, and he's dressed in uh, he's dressed in like leathers, you know, not like not like biker leathers, but like hides and like yeah, like buckskin, sewn buckskin leathers. A little you know, biker cape. Like, you'd be running if you see a puppy in biker leathers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and he had a little like pouch with him that was slung over his shoulder. And I remember him looking at me and kind of moving his head back and forth. And I was looking at him when we didn't see, we didn't say anything. But he was friendly enough, and it seemed like we kind of greeted each other. And uh, he kept looking at me, and then he, he reached in, he grabbed something out of his pouch, and he gave it to me to eat. And I ate it. And uh, I don't remember that much more about it, but just that we were hanging out and everything was good. And then he kind of said goodbye without saying anything, and I was like, okay. And went back over to the chimney, climbed up the stones on the side of it, went into that door and pulled it shut, and that was it. I think that was your real father. Do you know something he doesn't? <laughs> I said, I think that was his real father. Do you know something he doesn't? About that little man? No. Okay. Now this, this thing, this thing, I, I remember it. he was very wrinkly, had kind of a darker complexion, and was in, in like dirty buckskins. Not like dirty, but you could, they were, they were worn and used, like, you know, clothes that you've been working in for a long time and they kind of take a form to you. It was, it was a very cool experience and I never really thought that much more about it. I mean, because I spent that first five years up there in the woods and didn't see a lot of other kids and stuff. We didn't have a television. And I did a lot of thinking and learning to read and hanging out and then came to civilization, which I didn't even know existed. And next thing you know, I'm surrounded by hundreds of little kids who grew up on TV. Yeah. And I never really thought about it again, but I never forgot about it. And when I was later in, you know, 18, 19, I, from there, I found out they're like everywhere in just about every continent. And the kids that see them a lot more readily, I don't know if the brain's more attuned or the pineal gland's less calcified, if that has something to do with it, or any of the consciousness viewing stuff. Well, those, those legends, they go back hundreds of years. Thousands. Hundreds, thousands of yeah. years. Little people, werewolves, right? vampires. Uh, There's entire cities oh. in Papua New Guinea, you know, oh. back in the jungles, um, you know, for diminutive people. And there's the Menahuni from Hawaii, which were the little people there, which was the Hawaiian punch mascot. 
Remember the little guy from the seventies commercials? You remember him, right? Yeah. Well, even if you look at, uh, if you read or experience the play *Midsummer Night Dream* yeah, by right Shakespeare, those little people, the brownies, the fairies, whatever, mm -hmm. they're very uh, instrumental in that. But the interesting thing about this guy too that I'll throw out there is that, like, perfect, perfect proportion, just shrunk down to about two feet tall. Well, was it the, the Hopi? Uh, prophecy. They said when the end time, either the end time or the resolution and the survival of our species is going to happen when there's a web that covers the whole world. And this was hundreds of years ago they passed this down. Yeah. The idea of a web covering the world. The Hopi prophecy. And we're living the Hopi yeah. prophecy. So we're living that now, whether we want to or not. You know, whether we have a smartphone or a computer yeah. or not. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's literally called the, the worldwide web. Yeah. Yeah, the well, there was. Yep. And not only that, but if you're into astrology, the fact that Pluto just shifted into Aquarius, the shift of like our consciousness as a whole in the world, like with AI coming in and no, you know, aliens are real now all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the government is admitting to this stuff. Like, there is something going on. Yeah. Well, that's it and that's that, everybody. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. And I want to thank Mary, Don Wilson, and Sean Wilson for helping put this episode together and getting everybody together for it. And most importantly, sharing their stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing them. Uh, I urge you all to go back and check out some other episodes of the Planet Shivers podcast that had Don Wilson on them. He is a tremendous artist as well as very knowledgeable about history. We actually recently did a Native American history podcast that I would definitely recommend checking out. I'll put the link down there for you. I want to thank everybody else who is in the room who, as this series of paranormal story episodes goes, will be able to tell their stories. You could check out what I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers or on www.albertshivers.com and you could check out and you could check out Shivers Artery on Etsy for some of my art prints. I just got things started over there, so I'm gonna be uploading a lot more as time goes on. Thank you again so much for listening. Welcome to all the new listeners, and until next time, take care of yourself and take care of somebody else.